Agents Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. As a real estate agent, you have access to a lot more than the average human does as it relates to real estate properties. And it blows me away as I spend time and talk to real estate agents, how few of them actually invest in real estate. It really blows me away when they don't own their own damn house. Like that's just unheard of. That should be a prerequisite for having a real estate license. But that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about investing. We're talk, here to talk about flipping. We're here to potentially set some of you up with a referral partner who does this at a massively high level. And if time permits, we're probably going to get into a little bit of REO conversation. Lab Code agents, welcome to the show. Pete Reese, the owner of RealVest. Pete, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for being here. And I appreciate that great introduction. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So tell me this. Uh, let's just assume... No, I just met you literally about a few minutes ago. So I'm going to assume my audience has not met you. So let's start here. Tell us about who you are and what kind of led you to where you are today. Tell us your story. Sure. Well, I guess my real estate story starts in the year 2000. Myself and my wife, we bought our first home here in Southern California, San Diego County, bought it with an FHA loan. So I think the price was 195 So very small down payment. And uh, we held that for about two years, did some renovations myself on the home of some very questionable quality because these are, I was watching these DIY shows on TV. YouTube and, wasn't uh, nearly as prevalent back then. No, no. And I, I cringed back to thinking of the quality of the work I did, but regardless, uh, was still able to sell the property for a profit. I think it was 250,000 is what we sold it for. So ended up with a chunk of money at that closing. And I thought I was a real estate mogul at the time. And then we kind of rolled that money into another property that was a little more expensive, also needed some work. This time I hired some people to do some of the work, but we did well on that property as well. And then got into flipping homes, actually. So this was before the market crashed in 2007-ish. And uh, so we were doing really well with that. I had actually got my broker's license at that point in about 2006, I believe. So I got my broker's license just because I liked to have the access to the better access to the deals. And I was getting all my deals on the MLS. So I would be able to show myself the properties and go make the offers and get the commission myself, all that stuff. So that's why I did it. Market then crashed. We realized flipping homes wasn't the best timing for that. Luckily, my wife kind of talked me into kind of going down the road of being an REO broker because that's the only stuff that was selling at that time. So we did a whole bunch of BPOs and really tried to break our way into that business. Did really well with that. And for a couple of years straight, was that was the main focus in our area and 
just doing as many bank-owned listings as we could. Those were selling great. The only thing that we're selling. So we were fortunate to be able to generate income at that time when a lot of people were really struggling in the real estate business. Got hooked up with a lot of different investors, most of them buying the the listings that, that I listed. And then for a while there, I was just kind of focused on finding them deals because I knew what it took. You know, as an investor myself, flipping homes, I knew what they were looking for. It was just about the numbers and I knew how to generate them the deals. So did that for a number of years. We kind of got sidetracked a little bit and sidetracked in a good way. I started another business with my wife, blogger training and travel blogger training. So we did lots of traveling during that whole time period. And that was a really fun time period, but got a little burnout on that. So I knew that I wanted to get back into real estate, get back into investing and just started reading some stuff online about people that were flipping land. And, you know, I'd read these anecdotes about people saying, hey, I bought this property for 10000 and I sold it for 30000 I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I'd like to do that. I think I could do that. And then I just started trying to learn everything I could about the business model, bought a training program on it, and just kind of dove all into it. So then started buying some properties that way. You know, our business model is basically about sending out direct mail offers to people and then they respond and we buy the deal if it makes sense. So we resold our first property using this model in March of 2021. And in that year, we ended up doing about 1.2 million in revenue and about 50% gross profit margin. So on average, you know, the properties that we bought, we were able to double our investment. So that's after commissions and closing costs and everything like that. And then 2022, we ended up at about 3.5 million and then also uh, just shy of the 50% gross profit margin as well. So, and I think 2023, we should be able to hit 10 million. So we're really trying to scale it as much as we can here. Wow. So. Uh, on on the ladder there, just off land or that it's a combination of properties as well? That's all land. Yeah, wow. it's all all just raw land. And But I have to clarify that I guess there was a few of them that had kind of old tear down homes on them. It was just land value. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have to get in the weeds on that. So, yeah. but, but before we do, uh, I have to ask that $195,000 house you bought in 2000, what's, what's that house worth today? I think the last time I checked, it was 475. Wow. It, it was in, you know, there are areas that appreciated a lot more than what that area is. It's kind of a rural area of uh, San Diego County. Got it. Yeah. Still did pretty well. Yeah. I mean, you said that you said anything that low in today's terms. I just like, yeah, yeah that doesn't think it's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's 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 amazing. And I'm in here in the Midwest, and that is that's a normal number here. Right. Um, that's fascinating. Obviously, you kind of explained how you got into uh how you got into the investing and and the way you just described it, especially the way you just ended that. You know, it's like here we were two years ago, and then last year we did this, and this year we're basically going to triple essentially is what you're is what you're projecting it can't be all rainbows and puppy dogs if it was we'd all get into it and i am a living breathing proof of someone who failed miserably at real estate investing because i was buying properties oh three four five crash happened got my ass handed to me because i didn't know any better i just thought well everything appreciates that's what it does we had never experienced a crash right i thought the same thing at the time <laughs> okay so Let's talk a little bit about the the cons because I know there's going to be plenty of pro here, but let's start with the cons. Okay, so the the major major con that is with this business is that you can't get a hard money lender for these properties. These are investment properties, and you know it's very common on a flip to be able to get a hard money lender, and a lot of times you can even get them to pay for the renovations on the property. In this case, there are no hard money lenders for land for raw land, 
So, I mean, they, they might be out there, but I, I, don't, I don't think their rates would be that favorable. But so you have to either fund it with cash, your own cash, or you have to bring on a deal partner. Now, a deal partner is not a bad option at all, especially, you know, if you're at the point where you don't have a lot of, you know, cash or resources to invest at that, that point. So a deal partner, basically, they'll send all the money to close the deal. They'll buy it by sending the money to escrow or the attorney or title company. And then you split the profits when it sells. So you kind of manage the deal and manage the marketing and all that stuff. And then when it sells, you get to split the profit. So it's actually a really good option. You're just not going to make as much money if you, if you bring on a deal partner for every deal. If you're bringing in a partner, are you giving them some sort of a guarantee on return if the deal goes sideways? Most of the time, it's not. Those contracts aren't written up like that. Most of the time, the deal partner will want to be on the deed, but then you sign a separate agreement with them. It's like um, it's like a deal partner agreement. So you know when the um, final numbers are in, then you split the profit that's left after you know after the expenses or, so, or loss or loss. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty rare. I haven't I've done over a hundred deals. And I haven't lost money on any of these deals yet. There's a couple of them where I've been pretty close. You know, I made a hundred dollars on one and five hundred on another that I can think of, but. For the most part, if you're doing your due diligence and you kind of get good at evaluating these properties, you know, you're buying them right. So, you know, you shouldn't be shouldn't be losing money. And most of these deal partners are pretty savvy too. So they're not going to throw their money at something which is questionable. You know, like they they look for deals with that are an actual deal. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. Almost well. a slam dunk. So have you completely gone away from buying physical properties and and you're just focusing on land now? Um that's that's what this business is all about. Yeah. So, I mean, we bought uh, a couple of rental properties last year to kind of offset some for some tax reasons. We bought a motel property the year before that for tax reasons as well. But that's our main focus is you know, for this business. This is like our active income type thing. It's no different than generating commissions or something like that. There's no benefit for long-term capital gains or anything like that. These are all short-term holds, 60 days on average. You know, so sometimes you have to buy some other properties to kind of offset those gains, which is tax, a big problem to have. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then those properties just become long-term holds. Long-term holds. Yep. Long term. Because of holds. depreciation and those sort of things, you can it really yep. helps. Got it. So you're buying properties from a tax strategy standpoint, but are you buying the are you are you now no longer buying a physical single family residence apartment building as an investment strategy, not a tax strategy, but as an investment strategy? Are you are you just well, you vacated I, that? Yeah, I mean, like I guess the way that we think of it is that we know that we need to kind of accumulate these properties or we're going to be hit with a big tax liability. So it is part of our overall investment strategy. I guess that's the wealth building side of things. So we do look for deals on those. We do look for certain criteria that we've set, but I wouldn't consider that anything like active part of our business. That's more of the long-term side of things. And we do want to accumulate rental properties over the long-term and have a lot of assets uh, over on that side of things. But the land we view is all the the active stuff, all the active income. It's almost um, like the low-hanging fruit on investing. Yeah. It's really, um, really pretty simple business in a way. I mean, it's, it's just like anything where you're buying and selling and you you make your money, they say, when you buy, not when you sell. Because our, our strategy really is to to buy it at, at a deep discount, but we do offer them the fact that we can close with cash and uh, we'll make it super easy on them. And land, you know, typically 
it takes a little longer to sell if you're going to, especially if you're going to put it on the market and you're going to retail it and try to get full market value. So our strategy to sell things quickly is that we are actually able to resell them at a um, price that's below market. First of all, we buy only what we consider to be good properties, and then we price them so they're priced aggressively and they're the best priced thing in the market. And that generally is a good combination to sell quickly. Gotcha. And so would you as, well, I guess I want to get into the strategy piece because I think that's what most people are going to be, most listeners are going to be interested in. So I want to go back to the cons. You gave me one con. Give me, give me another con based upon one of the worst deals you've ever had, one of the worst transactions Mm -hmm. you've ever had. What can go wrong that you've experienced? All right. Well, here's a, here's a story of one property that we bought in, I believe it was March of 2022. And we actually just sold it in December of 2022. So for me, that's a really long-term hold and that's way outside of what it should be for this which, model. Which was what? Nine months? 10 months? Yeah, about nine months, I believe. 270 okay. some days, if my memory serves me. Okay. So that property, I mean, I look back on it and I know the mistakes I made. And and that's that's one thing, I guess, that I, I don't necessarily consider it a con, but that you're always going to have these kind of learning experiences on the deals that maybe didn't go quite like yeah. you thought they would. You cannot succeed without failing. That's right. You're right. And it's you're just it's, it's going to happen no matter how good you think you are. You're definitely yeah. going to have, you know, properties that didn't work out as planned. And I can tell you why this pro- that particular property didn't work out as planned in hindsight. And it's a 9-acre property. It was kind of in a be- um, pretty beautiful area southeast. Trees, it was a little slope but not too slope. But the, the main issue is there was a, it had road frontage, but the the property along the road frontage, it was like those um big kind of bedrock, you know, like so when they put the road in, they kind of cut into this bedrock or blasted it away or whatever. So there was no real way to get onto this property unless you were going to maybe throw up a like a rope or something. <laughs> There's no way to cut in a driveway without blasting uh, so- rock, I guess. Yeah, yes, which would be expensive and probably no one want to do. So, I mean, it's solely, I knew it was solely kind of like a recreational property. I didn't know if it would be a home set, site because of, because of the slope and some other things. But the fact that no one could actually drive onto the property really caused issues. I mean, it was at the end, you know, part of what we do is we just keep reducing until the property sells because the market's going to tell us what the thing is worth. So we set it at the value we think it's worth initially. And then if it doesn't sell, we don't we don't get it under contract or something like that. We'll just keep producing it until until we get it done. But we ultimately made five hundred dollars on the property, which was you know just a, a waste of time. I didn't lose money. That's my big thing. I don't want to lose money on any of these deals. But I know that I obviously have to pay attention to something like that. You know, like there's got to be a, at least a way to get a driveway onto a property in order for someone to want to buy it. So what was the end result? What happened? After about uh, eight and a half or eight months or so, we ended up getting an offer. And that was, I think, the only offer that we had on that property the whole time, which is kind of super rare because it was priced really, really cheap. And, you know, the feedback we were getting the whole time was about this driveway thing. What did you that know? buyer, did you have any conversations with the buyer about how they were going to, what they were going to use it for? What they were going to no, do? no, I didn't. Uh, we we had that listed with an agent. So I don't know specifically what they did or what their plans were. You know, sometimes they those properties end up when they get so cheap like that, sometimes they end up selling to a neighbor. So maybe that maybe that's what happened. You know, who just wants to block out. Yeah. I yeah. It. Good buffer, you know, and maybe 
maybe they can access it easily from their property, you know, not, not the way this one was set up. So live and learn. I mean, there are the, a lot of those experiences like that, but the more you go through them, the, you know, the better prepared you'll be for the future properties. So, yeah. What about any, and just any mistakes or regrets that you have along the way before we get into the good? Is there, is there anything else? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm doing this only because, you know, I like to consider myself a realist and, you know, right. it seems like most people in this world like to paint rainbows and puppy dogs. And we know that's just <laughs> not how it works. Just like being a real estate agent is easy. And you just put signs in yards and show people properties, right? It's, it's easy. Right. It's why everybody does it. And you're all going to make a million dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you another story. Okay. Certain things come up from time to time, just like any real estate transaction. There's always things that are going to be unanticipated, I guess you could say. Uh, for instance, I recently bought this property. I think it was a 30 acre property located on a dirt road. When we buy all these properties through a title company, so we get a title policy and we make sure that there is legal access noted on there on the deed. So we bought this property on a dirt road. So I was confident that it had legal access. The title company told me they were confident it had legal access as well. And then we put it on the market and then with a listed with an agent and then he gets a letter sent to him from some attorney that says oh this property doesn't have legal access because in the chain of title they, they cited some reason why why there was no legal access to make it an easy story so basically we had an we had another contract because we got someone that wrote an offer on it right away and you know something that we could accept so they basically are throwing a you know uh, wrenching the gears, I guess you could say, until I get this resolved. So now, you know, I've got this other attorney that we hired and he's searching, you know, researching into it and going to have to see if we can resolve the situation. Hopefully they don't know what they're talking about, this other attorney, and hopefully I'm still good, but I don't know. We'll have to see how it resolves. So, wow. so we don't even know what's going to happen here yet. This we don't know. This, this is, in progress. is still high. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's, let's get down to brass tacks, man. I mean, obviously... Clearly, you are uh, an expert at something that just not a lot of people do. And then I use the I use the term low hanging fruit, but I almost, it's almost like the low hanging fruit from the tree that people don't even realize exists. Right. And because you know, it, whether you're a real estate agent or you're an investor or you're just a teacher or a fireman or whatever you do for a living, it's like one of those dreams that people have. It's to own a restaurant and it's to invest in real estate. It's just like what you're supposed to do. And, and for whatever reason, I think a lot of people don't even look at this land flipping. And, and I, I think, honestly, I've done over 200 episodes and this is a real estate podcast. And I think I've interviewed one other person that specialized, probably does something very similar to you, which I'm about to find out. And so any, before you get into the, we get into some strategy here and give some tactical advice. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people don't learn about this or figure this out or, or, or they're fearful of it? Well, why do you think that is? I think a lot of people have the perception that land is all about buying a parcel on the outskirts of some town or some city and thinking someday it's going to be worth a lot more because it's in the path of progress. And that's one model to invest in land. But obviously, this model that I'm doing is, is completely different because it's all about the short-term holds. And I had that perception of it as well. Home flipping has been all over TV for 20 years, you know, and all these different shows. So I think a lot of people watch those shows and get really excited about that business model and they could see themselves doing it. It makes sense to them. It's very easy to understand. Land flipping, it just hasn't gotten that type of exposure. And um, 
land market is typically not as active as a as a house market generally because the buyers don't have access to loans in a lot of cases. There are some land loans and things like that available, but a lot of the uh, transactions are cash or maybe cash from a home equity line of credit or something something along those lines. So I think a lot of those factors kind of combine the, the fact that, you know, it's more of the blue ocean rather than the red ocean, which is house flipping. Like everyone's into house flipping. Not everyone, but there are a lot of people into house flipping. Mm-hmm. So just my two cents on that. Yeah, that makes sense because financing is almost impossible or requires a massive down payment, like you said. Right. And, and would you say that there's probably some truth to the fact that the the few of the Pete Reese's out there kind of, you know, almost have monopolized the market in the sense that that you were probably equipped to pay cash. And a lot of these people that want to dip their toe in the water aren't in that position. And therefore it gives you an upper hand. Maybe, maybe, you know, I'm sure I've got an upper hand now because, you know, I've got a lot of experience with this and, and things like that. But the fact is there's a lot of partners out there that are willing to do the deal and their money is just as good as mine. So if someone generated a deal and then they took on a partner, they could do a deal as well. And they wouldn't make as much as I would, but they would still make a really healthy profit for great return on their investment, basically. Yeah. So, and that, that might be how you have to start too. You build up that mm-hmm. bankroll before while, and, you know, yeah, so, that's so then of, you can do it. Yeah. That's what a lot of people do. And maybe they start with smaller deals too. That's very possible, very possible to do buy a $5,000 property and sell it for 20,000, you know, like great returns on investment when you're talking that smaller dollar entry level price. And in fact, our kids, they're kind of an example of that because they saw what we were doing and everything. And when I say kids, I've got a 22 year old, a 20 year old and, and a uh, 13 year old now, but the two older ones, they expressed a lot of interest in the business model. So I kind of threw them a couple of the smaller deals that were coming by. They had, um, company set up, they were going to do something else with it, a corporation, they were going to do something else with it, never got off the ground, but they did have a little bit of money saved up. So they each threw in $4,000. So they had $8,000 to start with. They pulled their money together. And over the course of a year and a half, they've taken that 8,000 and parlayed it into 84,000. And just, uh, I think on five deals, uh, smaller deals that I've sent their way. And uh, so it's been great for them. They're very excited. But I, I think that you know, anyone could do that type of thing. You know, they, I think their first deal was 7,000 or something like that. And they just kept going from there. That's really cool. Uh, and you and I now have something in common that we didn't realize. I have a 22, a 19 and a 13. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> the, the difference awesome. is I also, I also have a four. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> uh, was, now, the funny joke is, is that uh, out of our four kids and my wife and I are both remarried. So uh, the two older ones are mine, the 13 is hers. And then the four is ours together. But only one of those four was planned. All the other three were all <laughs> oh, great surprises, right? Of so, course. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. have it any other way, but yeah, that's a funny yeah. story. And my 19 year old just got a real estate license and is, is actually getting into real estate. So it's, oh, uh, that's too cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's start from the beginning. Um, and by the beginning, I mean the beginning of just you know how this works. And mm-hmm. so I, I think it would be better to talk about what you did towards your beginning in land versus where you are now because I think a right. lot of people listening who say, I want to go down this path. So where does one start to seek out and find a property? Uh, let's right. start there. Where do you start? The business model pretty much is you build a list. You send out direct mail to this list. By direct mail, you actually send out an offer to this list. And then you wait for those leads to come in. And then you work out deals with with interested people that are are interested in selling their land. 
So to build a list, I use a program called, well, it's an app called Data Tree. You know, there's a number of different, you know, services out there like that, but that's a first American company. And it allows me to basically take any county in the United States, basically, and filter it by, you know, say, for instance, I want two acres and above, you know, two acres to five acres in this particular county. You know, you can refine it in many, many different ways. You know, like I only I'm looking for people that have owned the property at least 10 years and or I'm only looking for absentee owners or all these different types of things you can filter for. Pretty much how I do it, though, is I take a particular county, I filter it by the acreage ranges. And most of the time, I'm just taking out names of sellers that I know that would not sell to me, like a, a railroad or utility or something like that. I, I scrub out all of those kind of obvious non-sellers that I know are, it's pointless to sell anything to. And then what I do is I take this list. Can I ask you a follow-up question sure. to that? So you're primarily looking for individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I don't scrub out names like if it says something LLC or something like that. I, I don't scrub out those names because I bought from a lot of those type of people. And you know, you just don't know what kind of entity structure something yeah. some of these oftentimes that is an individual in. just with an LLC. Yeah, exactly. So, but I just take out the obvious stuff, you know, that I know is not going to sell. And then basically what I do, I've got a I've got a letter template, which is a two-page letter. First page is kind of explaining who we are, what we do, what we could do for them. Second page is an actual purchase agreement, kind of like a one-page simple agreement, purchase agreement, where it talks, it gives their APN of their property, gives their acreage, gives an actual offer price, and you know gives some basic terms on that. And then it's got a spot for them to sign. We take that and we mail merge it with this list that we generated from DataTree and send it to the, the direct mail house. They merge it all together. They send them all out costs about 50 cents on average per letter that we send out because it's standard mail. Uh, we're not doing stamps or anything like that. And then, you know, the phone starts ringing. And when it rings, you know, some people are upset that I offered too low of a price on their property. <laughs> they take the time to call you to tell you that. That's interesting. Oh, yes. Yes. They call. Which is, which is good, right? I mean, that's what yeah, you want. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they call. Sometimes they send interesting letters back. Sometimes they send interesting emails or texts back. But you know, I understand there's going to be that reaction. We're not the we're not the right solution for everyone. But for those people that are looking for something quick and easy, and they may have never been to this property, you know, a lot of these people have inherited these properties. They've never been there. They bought it 30 years ago and had these big plans to do something with the property and just never did it. All these type of situations, it's not going to be someone that you know their family farm or something like that. And you know, those are not going to sell to to me. They might get angry at me that I sent them something in the mail. But a lot of times there's just no way to know unless you're researching every property before you send out this list. And I do some big volume of mail. So there's no way to actually, you know, check out these properties before I send it. And as far as the pricing goes, there's some tools in our industry which we can use to kind of help us price the properties, kind of automated tools. Or the other thing is a lot of these counties have kind of Similar pricing, you know, like certain counties we deal with. I know, for instance, that rural land like this kind of goes for about 5,000 an acre on average. And then I just back off a percentage from there and I may offer them 35% of that. So 5,000 per acre may be the, the retail price, you know, if they get top dollar and I offered them 35%, something like that, 35, 40%, depending on what it is. And then when they call back, then we really look at the property deeply and say, 
say they want to move forward with it, I mean, we have to first verify that like, hey, you know, is this property actually one that we want to buy? Is it is it a good property? Does it have road frontage? You know, is it not, you know, stuff I look for that I don't want to buy are, you know, landlocked properties or all swampland or on the side of a mountain, things like that just kind of make it sometimes like a not not a quality property. So I try to stay away from those, even if they're really cheap. So verify it's a good property. And if both parties are kind of on the same page, then we go forward. We close everything through a title company and, or attorney, you know, whatever that state requires. And then we start a whole due diligence process that kind of kicks off. We send someone out to the property, a photographer does uh, drone shots as well, but walk the property. We also always work with a local agent, local agent or land broker that can give us their opinion on the property as well. We are big on uh, working with agents in our whole process. And a lot of land investors aren't this way, but I'm kind of a big believer, maybe because it's my background being being a broker myself. And I just feel it's very important because we're doing these properties all over the country. And each area is so different. And we we work with people that know their area. They're good at what they do. They hopefully have buyer's lists. When they list a property, there's some credibility that comes with their name. You know, a lot of those things that benefits of working with with a really good agent. And uh, then I don't have to worry about the marketing side at all. I don't have to take those calls, none of that stuff. So once you establish uh, those pay- relationships, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like the big thing for us. Like when we can establish, when we can get hooked up with a really good land broker in a particular area, that's awesome for us because that allows us to do more business in that area. And that's our goal. Like we kind of send out test mail to certain areas and things that we think would be good areas. But if we can't find a, a good local broker or agent to work with in that area, the whole business model kind of falls apart. So it's really key for us to find those good people. They help so, us value the property and then we give them the listing on the resale side. Yeah, of course. So then let's let's rewind for a second. Like, how do you determine where you're going to go? You were mentioning these counties that you might look mm-hmm. in and then you focus on a county, you send these mailers or you have an agent in that county. How do you even come to that conclusion or, uh, you know, how do you determine that a county is ripe, for example, or that's yeah. where you want to invest? Yeah, that's a really good question. The one big thing that we look for is activity. Are there land transactions actually happening in that area? And also, we make sure that there's not a glut of inventory as compared to the sales. So there's a couple of tools where you can do this. But one of the just basic metrics that I look at is I'll go on Zillow, you know, and I'll I'll say, I'll do a search because you can search for land on there too. So I might be looking at properties that land that is 10 acres or above. And then I'll do that search and see how many properties in that county sold over the last but 12 what, months. But what drives you to even get to the to place where you say, mm-hmm. I'm going to attack this county? We're kind of looking at, I've got certain states in mind. Like for for us right now, we're, we've been kind of focusing on the East Coast, like, like New York down all the way down to Florida. So we've been kind of trying to build different areas there. So that's kind of the, the overall thing. And then we look at the data from all these different counties and kind of choose the best ones to, to mail to. Why did you choose the East Coast? Generally, that there's a lot of activity going on in the land markets there, like things buy and sell a lot quicker than some you know areas in, in the Midwest or the desert Southwest or something like that. That's kind of generally pretty easy to do transactions in those areas too, as opposed to California. And we've done stuff in California here too, but it's a little bit more cumbersome, the paperwork and the processes. So that's just a state thing. Yep. 
That's that's what I hear about California with building too. It's really a cumbersome process. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're going to develop some of these properties, then, you know, that's a long-term project. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I've heard. So, okay, so once you've established that, but is there any sort of metric or anything that you're particularly looking for that even led you to that in the first place? Like, how did you even get to that that place? Like, what does the research process look like? To get to choosing to, a state or choosing yeah, a county? To, yeah, to, to, that, that led you to the, to the East Coast to even figure out mm. what you've now figured out. Right. You know, I think I'm probably just networking with other land investors. And I and I knew that, you know, those are pretty active areas. And then I start looking into them and kind of doing the county by county breakdowns and seeing that stuff is actually happening there. And then I ended up kind of dumb walk, getting hooked up with a couple really good land brokers in those areas. And now I'm just kind of trying to build upon that. What's the state that you probably bought and flipped the most in? Doing a lot in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good state. A lot of, a lot of land activity there. What percentage of the properties are uh, sight unseen and you never see them? Ninety nine percent of them. Really? We did see. I I did see a couple of them. We did a road trip last summer, twenty twenty two. So it was like a, a yeah. year and a half ago now. But we ended up kind of not not really planned, I guess, from the beginning. But we ended up actually going kind of close to some of the properties that we'd owned. So we figured, hey, we'll go by and see them. And those walk maybe three or four of those properties. And uh, it was a cool experience, but I didn't really, you know, gain anything from it. I didn't learn anything that I didn't know already about this. You learned that you don't need to go see them. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, we always send someone from our team, mostly a local photographer, out to the property to walk it and write up a whole report and give us that boots on the ground type thing. But for me to actually go see it, it's not really necessary. I do everything from my computer. <laughs> how do you find the people? How do you even find that person? Though? I mean, you go to some random, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned North Carolina. There's really only one massive city in North Carolina. That's Charlotte. And even comparatively, it's not big compared to California cities, for example. So you're ta- probably talking about a lot of rural area in, in oh, yeah. North Carolina. How do you even come across a photographer that would know to a photographer takes pictures. They don't write reports. How do you yeah. find these people? There's a site called droners.io and it allows you to post, you know, whatever job you've got. And a lot of these people, they, I mean, they're all drone pilots. That's their their main thing. But as part of our order, we we order, you know, drone shots so we could see, you know, kind of the of aerial images of the property. But we always, you know, we specify on there what we're looking for, someone to walk the property, someone to give us their notes on the property, kind of fill out a little questionnaire thing that we've got. So yeah, we always, you know, post stuff on there and then we get people bidding on it. And we just kind of pick people that that have some experience in those areas that really wow. understand land. Shit. So this is almost like a, it's like a Fiverr. Exactly. Fiverr for, for drone pilots. For drone. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so, it's the kind of stuff yeah. that I don't think people realize exists. I mean, and oh, I yeah. imagine that all of this, as you got into this was just trial and error. I mean, as you just, I, I probably Google was your friend. Yeah, definitely. And I took a course on it as well. So that gave me kind of a head start. Some other people that were kind of teaching this model, but I quickly took what they taught me and sort of put my twist on it and adapted it. You know, a big adaptation that I did was the using the agents, you know, working with agents to, you know, list and sell our properties, because I think without that, you're really kind of going in blind in a lot of these areas. So. All right. So is there a lot of areas still out there that you would be looking to get connected to real estate agents? Oh yeah. Pretty much. I mean, 99% of the country, I don't have covered at this point. So if I can hook up with good land 
specialist type agents in any of these areas, I'm ready to start marketing those areas because I, a great land agent broker is worth their weight in gold to me. So, How many of these land agent brokers end up connecting with you, watch what you're doing and realize, why don't I just do this myself? I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to them doing it. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. I don't know if any of them that I work with are doing that themselves. Maybe they thought about it. I, I don't know. Yeah. They're just focused on what they're good at. And honestly, making, yeah, making a exactly. connection with somebody like you turn means tens of thousands, maybe more of commissions. Yeah. And, you know, the, the one thing I can do is get them a lot of listings, you know, if we connect in an area so we can get them a lot of listings and then they'll in turn get a lot of buyers and hopefully a lot more listings will lead from that. So yeah. Are, are you having them represent you on the buy side? No, because they're all off market. Yeah. They don't represent me on the buy side, but. But they know, um, they pay, know the end game. Exactly. And yeah. I pay them 10% commission. So I, you know, I tried to really uh, make it worth their while. Wow. Oh, and the other thing is too, that, you know, like um, say we're negotiating with the property owner and we're too far apart to make the numbers work. I'll, I'll say, Hey, you should talk to this agent. And, you know, I don't, look for a referral fee or anything like that. Yeah, so that's, it's and awesome. it happens too, because, you know, we try to double our money and sometimes we're just too far apart to make that happen. But, you know, it would work if they listed it on the market with an agent. So, yeah. And a lot of times they just don't even know where to start that, or they haven't even looked into it or. Yeah. Well, they, they don't, you know, they don't want the hassle. Yeah. But what, if I can connect it, them with someone good, it kind of make it hassle free for them, then, then maybe it makes sense. So it makes sense. Well, what do you, what would you say is the, is there, is there a majority of owner type, like, uh, you know, they acquired it through a death or it's, you know, something like that. Is that what, what would you say you see the most of? Yeah. There's two real main categories that I see. It's inheriting thing that we just talked about, you know, like there's family members that inherited these properties and either, either they inherit one property that's kind of owned by a few different siblings, something like that. Or sometimes they inherit like a larger property is then kind of subdivided and then each family member gets a different parcel. So those types of things happen a lot. And then the other thing is people that have owned these properties for quite some time, maybe had some big plans with it at one time and just never happened. And it's just kind of extra property for them. And they're it's just a hassle because they're paying property taxes on it every year and yeah. maybe you got to do some upkeep to it then. And I guess with most of these, because they're off market, AKA not on the market, like a lot of times, I guess these owners aren't even in the mindset of let's sell it. That's just kind of just sitting there. And right. I guess if you catch them at the right time when they might need money, yep. it, become, it presents an opportunity for them. Yep. Yeah. It's all timing. Interesting. I'm sure there's a hell of a lot more to learn here. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't mention the, the, the former piece about connecting. You said 99% of the country. That's a lot of opportunities. So you know, the way I presented it in the intro today was, hey, you should be investing. But in reality here, you you know, the Lab Code Agents podcast is presenting you with a potential referral partner. So what would you Please say is reach the, out to me? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask you, like, what what is if somebody's listening to this and they're they're foaming at the mouth saying, how do I get a hold of you? And because I'm sure there's somebody listening to this thinking to themselves, oh, my God, my county's perfect for this. I've got to talk to Pete. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Best way to get a hold of me is email, and that would be Reese, R E E S E, at turningprofit.com. And uh, yeah, that's that's the best way to get a hold of me. You know, I'm looking for land specialists. So that's kind of our main criteria. You've got to be a specialist in land. And uh, I'm looking to kind of get as many how, great relationships as we can. So, how do you define that? How do you define that fr uh, from just a standard real estate agent? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just their main focus. Obviously, 
a lot of land specialists also do homes and things like yeah. that as well. But honestly, I just need someone that's really knowledgeable. And it seems like in a lot of areas that I deal with, they kind of fall into two categories, rather residential or land specialist. Got it. That's kind of what we look for. Very cool. And you know, you have this real vest. What is it? Oh, it's just our our real estate investment company. The name is Real Vest Properties. The other side of things, the turning profit that I mentioned, that's where I put kind of all the information about our land flipping business. It's turningprofit.com. And each month I do a monthly income report, which breaks down, you know, what the revenue we took in, the profit for that month, each deal that we resold that month profit on every one of those individual deals, how long we held them for, notes on each of those properties. So I break down all of that stuff uh, monthly and all these reports. And I do a year-end wrap-up as well. But I think, you know, I guess my goal with that is to kind of just have as much transparency as possible into the business model. I don't have any sort of training program or anything like that that I sell at the moment. I might do some sort of mentorship thing down the road, but at this point, nothing. But uh, yeah, my goal is just to get a bunch of that information out there. I think it's an awesome business model. And, you know, it's an easy way for people to get involved in real estate investing without going too heavy off the bat. You, know, you can yeah. you can kind of dip your toe in it and get going that way. So the so the turningprofit.com is really just informational and just for people to kind of watch and learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we we uh we just launched a, a podcast too about real estate investing. That's where the turning profit name comes from. So we'll be talking about land flipping on there, but also other models of real estate investing as well. And you're on Instagram and YouTube, I see. What are you guys putting out there? Yeah, just a lot of that type of content, clips of interviews and clips from our podcast. And um, we put all our income reports on there as well. I do a video piece of that as well as the written piece. So Love it, stuff man. we can get out there. You are a rare breed that <laughs> it's usually someone who actually is an agent of some kind or somebody or a coach or somebody selling something on the back end. And it, you're one of those rare breeds that uh, is, is is none of the above. You're just yeah, trying to, to, <laughs> to make the play to make the world a better place and, and yeah. probably make more connections, I guess, huh? Well, yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing I've learned over time. The more great connections I make, I mean, it's weird how, how it, how it works. And sometimes you don't know what a particular connection will lead to, mm -hmm. but making as many quality connections as you can, it can only do big things in the big picture. So that's the way I view it. It's fantastic. Pete, it's been, uh, it's, it's been fascinating. I could just keep asking questions and I'm sure I missed <laughs> some questions. Uh, let me ask just to wrap this up, you know, what would be the last piece of parting advice that you would give to our audience, which is, you know, real estate professionals? Okay. So I know a lot of real estate professionals are interested in real estate investing. And obviously I was as well as a broker and investing and stuff as well. But I think if you are going to dip your toe, if you are going to get into some sort of real estate investing, you should learn everything you can about one particular model and then just go for it. Like that's, that's like your focus. I see people get into problems or trouble when they're kind of investing in all these different asset classes and they've got this kind of inconsistent plan and it never really amounts to anything. The other thing is marketing. If you're going to be, you know, and this, this applies to being a real estate agent as well, because for my business, the big key to get that phone ringing is to be continuously sending out my direct mail and whatever form Whatever marketing you do as an agent, that's really the big thing. You got to get that phone ringing. You got to get the leads continually coming in and you got to be ultra consistent with that. 
So like set an exact amount of, of outreach you're going to do each month and, and stick to that. And that's like the most important thing because when the business is coming in and you've got that taken care of, then it's amazing. Like everything else is taken care of. So, but you need that business coming in. Awesome. I, re- I really appreciate your time today. I hope uh, our listeners enjoyed this. It's uh, turningprofit.com. You can go just check this out. Or if you want to reach out to Pete, Pete Reese, uh, Reese at turningprofit.com. It's R-E-E-S-E at turningprofit.com. Pete, it's been a pleasure. I uh, enjoyed yeah, thanks, it. And I uh, hope we stay in touch. Yeah, sounds great. This episode of the Lab Code Agents podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high-quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre-foreclosures, and geo-leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all-in-one lead management platform, free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.